welcome on into the Unabated Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and joining me here today, we have, for the first time in the pod's history, here our very first guest joining us, none other than Zach White, Gamble Balls himself, along, of course, with Peter Jennings, the gym class hero, and the man with a dog's name in him, Rufus Peabody. Guys, how are you doing today? Zach, thank you so much for joining us here because it is a very special episode. We are going to be talking about tilting and all that comes with managing the highs and the lows of living a life as a professional sports better, which all of you can certainly attest to myself, not so much. But Zach, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being with us here. And Rufus, Peter, you guys no strangers to a rough weekend as well, because let's face it, that is just part of this life. It is the highs and the lows. And no matter how good you are, no matter how great or better you are, the only one that hits at 100% is Biff Tannen. And everybody else is going to have to deal with variants at some point in their careers. And Rufus, I understand that last week was pretty rough for you. Yeah. By the way, how would Biff Tannen do these days? Like his account would be limited so quickly. He'd be betting $7 at a time. Uh, apparently he'd just be betting at Circa and they'd be using him to make the lines. That's what they said. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah, we had a, we had a uh, losing week. I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. It was when we added up the figures, like I was like, wow, we lost that much. I, mean, I think lost like 240 grand. Um, so one of our like worst weeks of the year, but you know, we, had great volume. So that was good. And it's just one of those things. It's variance. It actually, uh, I, I, I did not tilt over it. I, uh, it actually, for whatever reason, kind of motivated me. And I had a really productive day yesterday. That's really good. And yeah, you were talking to me about that. The fact that losses are a good way to motivate yourself and it made you feel more productive. And it wasn't even that it made you feel more productive as far as going in and gambling more it was the dev side of it right yeah the dev side i mean i still remember maybe i have this one moment that sticks out in my mind it was and zach you can remember do you remember that summer of 2010 yeah it it bled into fall of 2010 it, was it wasn't brutal. no i think like i remember i don't think the fall was that bad i remember the fall i think it was the, it was end of august i was driving back yeah. to vegas from like maine I was driving through Texas and we'd had a bet on, I think, David Toms to win a golf tournament. Do you remember that, Zach? And he like blew it and I forget who he lost to. It was, it was um uh Indian gol golfer. And I mean Indian like a golfer from India. Um I forget his name. Um a guardian golfer. It's not oh god. <laughs> it's not Honor Von it's not Honor Von Lahiri. It's uh another dude, but this is anyway. I remember him losing and I just remember being like, you know what? I'm going to work so hard that we never have like, so we're never going to have another bad run like this. I'm just going to like, you know, I'm I'm just going to grind so hard and make the model so much better. And, and because we had dumped, I think we'd been like up a million for the baseball season at one point and then like dumped like 700 of it. And then NASCAR went on a bad run. Right. It was just it like everything. Happened, it all happened together Same for like time. a month and a half straight. <laughs> it was just like, I think we lost like 40% of the bankroll. Yeah, and Zach, at that time, like I hadn't been, I'd been betting for a living for I don't know, 16 months or something. Yeah. So it was, you know, yeah, it was, yeah I didn't. That's scary. It, it was right. I was on top of the world a few months before that. And then I was like as low as I could be. Arjun Atwal. Arjun Atwal. That's yep. Perfect. 
Did you did you look up the tournament? Yeah, it was David pretty easy Tom's, to find. David did Tom's you, you Google David Tom's Indian golfer. No, I I Googled Indian <laughs> golfer 2010 PGA Tour win popped right up. <laughs> Shout out to VJ Singh by the way, being winning the uh, PNC Championship this weekend. He's not Indian. He's Fijian. Might cut that out then. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. You got to keep it. Okay. Well, I, I I feel bad. I I definitely was not <laughs> trying to stereotype there. Well, he's but... a Fijian, and yeah, I mean he's like of Indian descent. Okay, I feel better then. I, I feel better about myself there then. But uh, John Daly coming in second in that tournament. Shout out to the Daly family as well. But uh, talking more about uh, tilting and e- even more so than tilting, just managing the losses and managing the high, managing the highs as well. Because like you said, you were on top of the world for a time. And as my mom likes to say, life moves in peaks and valleys and you got to enjoy the peaks and use that time to get you through the valleys. And when it comes to sports betting, there certainly can be a lot of those. And that was a really rough time. And especially 16 months after you started gambling for a living, that, that's your entire livelihood right there. That can be incredibly scary. How is it that you were able to pull yourself out of something like that? Well, I think part of it is having having guys that you're doing it with. So you, you don't feel alone. And I think that that having Zach, who'd been, I mean, Zach, I don't know, when did you join the team? I mean, Zach was on the team before I before I was. I mean, the team kind of when I was 21, basically. So, right. I mean, just a few years before moving to Vegas, and and then you came along a year later, and so I mean, any sort of whether it's sports betting or any sort of other type of gambling where you're trying to to do it and and earn a living, you have to have the the discipline to to handle the losses because you know they're going to come. You could you know come up with the greatest model in the world or the best system in the world, unless it's just reaching over the counter and grabbing the chips out of the tray. You're not going to win 100 percent of the time. So. You and you know, if Zach is betting too, you're going to like have some huge swings because Zach's going to be like 2% edge. Let's go all in. I, I mean, I've been yeah. known to be a little aggressive, <laughs> but um, you know, there's obviously if you've gotten to the point where you can win at sports betting, you've gotten to the point where you can determine how much you should be betting on a, on a particular game. And if you're betting more than that, especially if you're betting an amount that's going to affect you mentally or physically, um, in a negative way for an extended period of time, then maybe that's just too much money. Uh, maybe it's time to think about scaling back or doing something a little bit different. I mean, I, I, I think it's a habit, like truly tilting where you're, you know, you're you're doing something destructive or you're doing something that's negatively affecting people around you, then that's a sign that this is, you know, not not really the the direction you want your profession to be going in. Yeah, one thing I thought that Rupa said that makes so much sense. Um, I think a lot of successful people in this this industry have done. They they use the the losses as motivation to work on their process. And I think a lot of people's pitfalls is they they you know start to lose and tilt and they start to gamble more. And that's where it can really compound negatively and, and really be bad. Um, so I respect that. It's been the same way for me. Um, the losses have have been hard at times, but it's always motivating. I, I certainly work harder. And that's something too, on the winning side, like I, I think one of my big mistakes is getting complacent uh, when, when things are going well. Um, and it's interesting because winning is not like a euphoric thing for me at all, really. I mean, occasionally sometimes it's like, I like to sweat games and it's fun to win specific games, but just like, you know, if you, have, you have a good run to me. It's more like relief than anything. Um, and you know the the the, the harder times are, are definitely motivating to work hard. So I, I certainly um, 
admire that. And I think it's something that a lot of people who are successful in this space, they work really hard when, when things aren't going well. It's a good time to reevaluate. Um, so I love that from Rufus. And yeah, Zach, if you're ever impacting other people, probably time to do something else. Like that's, don't, I mean, don't, look, yeah, don't make other people's lives worse when you're in sorrows. Like, I know misery loves company. If you're doing this for a living, though, it is going to affect your relationships in some way. And, you, you know, your significant other um, or significant others are going to have to, to understand what you're, you know, have to understand you. And you're going to have to, like, make an effort to, um, I don't know, to, to be a good human being. But I think there's still going to be times when, you know, your things get to you. I mean, it just happens. Yeah, I think it's managing that. And then if you're with somebody who like a, your wife or whoever who's been seeing you in the past where you've had, you know, bad runs, they've probably gotten used to it. For, for me, it's like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'll have a bad night and I'll probably be in a bad mood. Go to sleep, wake up the next day. It's a new day. You're almost It's almost like you're starting from zero. You know, like the, the negative number still on the sheet. But hey, it's a fresh day, fresh slate of, slate of games. And, you know, for whatever reason, that that sleep, that overnight just kind of resets me. Um, and my wife is used to it. We've been married for 12 years. So, you know, she's, she's like, she can tell when I've had a bad, bad night. And then kind of what Peter was saying with the euphoria, it's almost like, well, you, you got to be able to appreciate the wins too, even though it's expected, like you're expected to win and you know, you've done this over and over again and you made the right plays. Sometimes you just have to, you know, boost your mood up and feel good about doing what you were supposed to be doing and having a good night too. So, you know, don't just you know, shrug off the winds like, oh, yeah, that's what was supposed to happen. Like, you know, kind of enjoy yourself a little bit and, and kind of just mitigate those emotions. Like, don't go out and buy a Bentley or something because you hit, you know, 10 and 1 one night. But, you know, enjoy yourself some too on the good nights. Yeah. I, I, I Do you find that's been harder? I mean, I find that certainly I don't I don't think I get the same joy out of winning that I once did just because, you know, it becomes more normal. Right. And Peter, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a sign that you need to appreciate it a little more then. For me, it's just relief. Like I said, like, mm -hmm. no, it's hard. I think all the other part of it is, you know, when things start to go poorly, um, you're always questioning if you still have an edge, regardless of kind of what you're doing. So when you win, it's at least for me, it's, it's a big relief. And that's always been, I think I've handled winning a little bit better in that regard. I, I don't think I was always the best loser. Um, but reflecting on my behavior, I think where I went poorly is like you get complacent. So I wish I could have that same motivation. Like I had a horrible weekend. Um, I was traveling back Monday and I, I had this great workout and was really focused on like all these different things. Like had a super productive day. It's like, why don't I wake up that way after a win? Like after wins, I, I tend to you know, just kind of wake up and be more casual about it. Um, so that's something I'm hoping to apply and be more consistent with going forward. Do I, I know, um, Peter, you mentioned like not going on tilt and, and not betting a lot. Like I, I find I kind of have the opposite problem where if I've been losing and if I'm in a position where I'm having to decide on what bets are placed rather than like, you know, a process that's deciding somebody else is executing, like I tend to get kind of gun shy. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're I'm losing, the same way. Yeah, you're, it, that, that's perfectly human. You're losing confidence in yourself. Right, but rather than like, I feel like some people like, oh, I need to make it all back. I'm like, no, 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 let's just not lose more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you all, you know that feeling. It's like when, when, when you're in a losing streak, it feels like every bet you place is going to lose. You're like, yeah. I just want one of them to win. Yeah. yeah. 
and then it, 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 it is you yourself just chasing wins to try to get even that's that's obviously a bad bad sign you should take a step back and and you know at least take an hour off and come back and, and reset and look at it again and say okay don't just don't just try to to make a bet just to get even i mean that's you know uh yeah, that's discipline 101 when it comes to sports betting and that right there is the definition of tilting like that that's when you start trying to chase all of these bets it's like the sun you know the sunday night game or the monday night chase when all of your bets on the sunday football slate missed and you're like okay well i wasn't gonna bet this game but it's the last one and i've just got to chase and try and get back to even that is the number one worst thing that you can be doing i think that's why there's always value on the um second half under and um primetime game sunday night right <laughs> because everybody's uh everybody's pumping up the over yeah although zach you know the weird thing is like i i don't know i mean i think this is the fact is kind of gone now but there was a time when like there was a pretty like a significant effect in terms of second halves going over more or like having more scoring in, in primetime games i think like monday night sunday night yeah, because I mean, it's like everybody's seeing the game like you don't you don't want to it, it's not like a one o'clock game where you're down like you know you're down 27 to three in the fourth quarter and you're just gonna like run it and just get out of there right it's like you kind of have to you have to make that sort of show yeah i mean i said that just kind of joking about the primetime second half unders we used to joke about it it's true though felt like we were always on it but i'm sure there's some over value from time to time too now how how is it that you guys go through uh trying to essentially evaluate your process because if the like rufus it was a tough losing week this week but at what point do you discern the difference between this is variance and you're just hitting a bad streak and maybe my process here is a little bit wrong? One of our Discord listener mailbag questions today, by the way, sign up for an unabated premium account, get access to the unabated premium Discord, or join the Discord for free using the link in the description of this video below, and you can ask questions in our listener mailbag as well, like Bush Johnson 122 did and he says, say you build a model or develop a process. At what point would you consider losses enough to show that the model slash process is not plus EV, especially in less liquid markets in which CLV may not be as representative of true odds? That last little caveat, you know, there's, there's that last little caveat throws you off. Mm -hmm. No, when you create your own CLV too, yeah. that's, yeah. Self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. And and I think that there there are people that move markets and that move markets more than they probably should, and the line might close for you know further releasing a pick. And so, I mean, I there are people that can create CLV for sure. But and so, the, but I think the, how? Sorry, I didn't answer the question though. I want to I want to hear what uh, what Zach and Peter have to say first though. Zach, what do you think? Well, to try to answer the guy's question directly, like whenever I'm experimenting with something new, a new market, something that I maybe have back tested, I'm like, okay, this might actually have something. Um, if you're utilizing all your your weapons, all your outs, and you're at the current price that you're shopping around, you're getting a good value versus that current market price, then how bad could it possibly be, right? If on average, I'm getting a half a point better or seven cents better than the average price, you know, even if I was flipping coins, I'm only going to lose a half percent, a percent here if I just have a, you know, 50-50 chance of picking a winner. But his caveat was, what about markets where, you know, the, the market is fragile, you can't really judge closing line value because, you know, it's small market type stuff. And that's going to be a lot tougher, you know, to, to figure out. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, you can look at it from a unit standpoint, like how, you know, how many, how bad should, would this have run if, if I was, if my prediction market was, you know, truly 50, 50, what would be the worst, you know, month scenario I would have under normal circumstances. And if you're worse than that, then yeah, you know, it's probably time to move on. But, you know, even a lot, for a lot of sports, even looking at one season of data, you, it's really not enough to say, you know, that that this was good or this was bad uh, with any sort of major degree of certainty. Um, so, like, even sometimes you're, you're into a new market, you start out winning, you think everything's going great, but did it really prove anything if you're looking at it over 25 games? I mean, certainly not for small, smaller market type stuff where you're influencing the market just as much as anybody else. Peter, how about you? What do you think? Oh. Go ahead, Rufus. I was going to echo Zach's point and say that, you know, when like, let's say someone was hitting 70% of their games, like, you know, that's extremely unlikely, even if you're a 55% true 55% better, right? So it's like, okay, the difference between hitting 70, you know, percent, if you're a 55% better, and if you're like only a 52% better and actually going to be a slight loser in this isn't super, super, super large. But I think it's a very, very difficult question. And I think especially a market like, let's say something like props, right? Or, um, or second halves. And, and I think second halves is a good example of something where I feel like our college football um, second half model was, uh, Zach, I think you remember, we were like double digit returns every year for like a five-year period. And then it just, it eventually just kind of dried up. It felt like overnight. Like we just, and it wasn't like losing much, but it was like, break even for the next few years. And it was, I mean, so it was lucky that we didn't, that it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were just flipping coins, but it wasn't really enough to, it wasn't good enough to really win. And so um, I do think that the, what Zach said about sort of it, it being asymmetrical, it's not like you're going to have probably, it's probably not like your model is going to go from being a winning model to like having talent at losing like losing, like being worse than a coin flip or, or even being in a coin flip, probably. So there's that, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that I don't have a great answer, but I think that if I'm struggling, I just tend to try to work on my process and try to make improvements to it and then, and then attack it again and, and, and kind of count on knowing that that process if it's similar to processes that worked in other sports and things like that that gives me some sort of a little bit more of confidence yeah i i can definitely speak to the uh efficacy of that because even though lord knows i am not betting at the same handle or level that you guys are uh last month was a particularly annoying month for me where it felt like i was on a losing streak it felt like every bet that i was making was losing and on top of that i uh i went out and lost too much money at blackjack and I kind of realized, okay, well, first off, maybe don't play blackjack. And second off, um, this is a good time to focus up and say, you know what, I'm tired of losing. I have access to all of these amazing tools, both at unabated.com and by virtue of knowing you guys and being able to tap into such incredible gambling knowledge. And I started tightening up. I started disciplining my betting strategy out. One of the first things that I did, like you guys said, started tracking my bets on BetStamp, and it does feel good that I've been able to see my bets have been in the green for uh, several weeks now. I'm finally starting to make some money there, and right now it's still just a good run, but I'm doing other things. Like I stopped betting on the NFL before the closing line because I wasn't getting any value. 
and started really hammering down. The only NFL bets I made this week were the Detroit Lions because the Jets don't do good things when I want them to. So I took an emotional hedge there. And then I had multiple teasers going. Some of them won, some of them lost, but I was smart enough to use the unabated teaser tool and spread everything out so I wasn't tied in on one particular game like the Cardinals this week, which is the game that sank me on my other teasers. And so I still came out ahead. And you know what? I had a really terrible weekend in my personal life. And it was a small uh, comfort to look back at the end of the weekend and see that I was getting, I was making money gambling this week. And that felt pretty good. And that is one of the things that it can really help with is like you said, Rufus, being more disciplined and using it as motivation to buckle down and say, I want to be better at this. I need to refine my processes. I need to start building those good habits. And it's something that definitely helped me. But there certainly are, as you guys have demonstrated, plenty of tilting moments that still come into effect. What are some of the worst moments that you guys have had to kind of give some misery loves company? If you can remember a particularly great tilt story to tell. Zach, you're smiling. You look like you have something here. Well, I don't I don't have great examples of like the, the tilt. We have plenty of bad beat stories we can we can certainly share that, you know, would have definitely sent most people over the edge. Um, I feel like without a doubt, and Rufus and I have mentioned this on Twitter before, but without a doubt, there's this college uh baseball game that we were in the we ended up being on the right side of it, but it was like the most un unlikely uh, outcome of any outcome. And I can't imagine what the person who had the other side of our bets, how they reacted, <laughs> because it was just, you know, and I, and I think about that too. Anytime I suffer a bad beat, I was like, well, somebody was on the other side of that and they're having a time of their life because they just had a, had an excellent um, break. But the, um, the college baseball story. So it's like uh like a regional championship game for college baseball um, army in Texas. It was army. I just remember Texas. It was army in Texas. Okay. I, um, I went and looked it up because I knew this would probably come up. But, you know, these spreads for these games were huge. So, like, the money line on this, you normally only see, like, a one and a half for a baseball game usually. But the money lines were so huge on these games where it was, like, we laid three and a half runs and we laid minus 600 on the money line on Texas. And they were the home team for this championship game. And they're down four runs and in going into the bottom of the ninth. And so we're sitting here thinking, well, we're going to lose the minus 600. We're going to lose the minus three and a half. It's going to be like a, you know, 10 unit swing or 10 unit drop on this thing. But somehow they, they, they tie it up and it's like 10 to 10. And we're like, okay, well, maybe we won't lose the minus 600. Maybe they'll pull out this win and, you know, we'll at least cash the money line. But there's no way the minus three and a half is cashing. I mean, it's the bottom of the ninth. Any single run ends the game, blah, blah, blah. But from all, all unlikelihood, they they load up the bases and hit a grand slam walk off and cover the minus three and a half. And I was like, man, that was just the most incredible thing that could have ever happened. And whoever had the plus three and a half is, you know, I, I don't know. I hope they're okay. <laughs> because, I mean... That's just one of those games to remember. You're never going to have that many beats that that top something like that. I mean, it's just in all likelihood never would happen again, <laughs> ever. And Rufus, uh, that, that that was more of a positive story there, but <laughs> I know that you certainly chronicled one of the more negative stories that you've ever had. And sorry to bring it up here, but the Mito Pereira loss. Uh 
Yeah. So yeah, Mito Pereira just needed a par on the final hole to win the was it the PGA Championship. Mm-hmm. PGA Championship, and he was the only guy um, all day to hit a ball into the water on that hole. There's a little creek, and so he uh, and didn't even he made a double bogey and didn't even make it into the playoff. And, and so, um, and actually, the hole before was a birdie hole. He missed a kind of short birdie putt. Uh, it was a drivable par four. They could have put him up too, but. Um, I initially was in what I had a ticket. We had tickets. Was it 300 to one? I guess I think it's 300 to one. We had to win over 300,000. Um, I think I tweeted out a a circuit ticket, the $500 ticket. Um, but yeah, at first I was like, I think the first, your first instinct is like, why did that happen? You replay it like as if thinking about it is going to somehow change what happened. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but then once you're like, (laughs) right, exactly, exactly. And, and, but then I don't know, I kind of did that for a few minutes and then I was like, you know what, it happened. I'm going to allow my, and I, and I kind of was tried to be Buddhist about it. And I was like, I'm going to let myself feel the disappointment. And I kind of was like, yeah, that sucks. But I wasn't like replaying it in my head. Like, why did the ball have to go into the water? You know, why did he have to miss that putt? And so, um, and so just doing that, sort of acknowledging, yeah, this is bad. It happened. I can't change it. Really, I don't know why it, it works, but it does. It allows me to kind of recover really quickly. So you like lean into it and then boom, it's was you think that was a worse, worse. I mean, m- money wise, it was probably more, but Stanley was worse. Kyle, Kyle Stanley's Kyle, your favorite. So, so here's the thing: the Kyle Stanley. Zach, oh gosh. Oh my god, that that was definitely probably the most tilting. And the thing is, the funny thing is, I was watching that. Like this was, I think, the week of the conference championship games, or maybe divisional playoff. I don't remember. What the Stanley thing? Um, it was the farmers. Yeah, because it was waste yeah. management when he came back and won it the next two weeks well, later, and beat Spencer uh, Levin that we had money on that week. So it's like he's fucked this whole week. Yep, who had a six-stroke lead going to the final <laughs> round, right? And Stanley had a five-stroke lead going to the final round to Torrey Pines. But I remember watching, I remember like it, you know, it got at one point the lead got down to like two or three, or or and, and Stanley was looking kind of shaky, like on like the back nine a little bit. And he, you know, made a few made a clutch par save. And then suddenly he, you know, it it was, and then I kind of stopped even looking. I was like, cause you know, going into the last hole, it was just like, oh, he's got this now. Like three shots easiest hole um and it was just so shocking when he when he when he when he lost that like that was that was i don't remember what i did but i certainly replayed that a lot and i mean it's seeing the replays that ball he hit that went in the water he hit it past the pin spun it back and it, it like stops on the bank and then goes again you know it just like inches into the water yeah just felt Maybe like break anything though right yeah well, Zach, Zach, you had the best reaction oh, in terms I, I of um, yeah. your action <laughs> items. Send him some golf lessons in the mail. Yeah. Oh, that is And you sent him a copy of the ticket, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know you actually mailed it to his yeah, address he, and found his address. He was living in Georgia. Wasn't he a Georgia Tech guy or something? I think we found his address in Georgia and and I mailed him a, a like a gift certificate for golf lessons or putting lessons or something like that. And then a copy. Oh, actually, I think I mailed him one of the actual losers with a return address that if you wouldn't mind signing this um, and never heard anything, of course, but I'm sure oh, if you'd gotten him to sign it, that would have been, that would have been <laughs> sick memorabilia to have. Yeah. Peter, how what about you? How about you? Give us a, give us a good one. 
Uh, I got something that's you can actually learn a little bit from. Um, I uh, in 2014, I had my best year of my life. Um, won the million dollars in DraftKings. You know, went from like a low six figure net worth, had a sizable seven figure year, and just feeling on top of the world. And the start of January, I proceeded to lose like a half billion dollars straight. Um, so half billion not all, dollars, half million, half okay. million. Yeah, so I made like about a million and a half, two million bucks, something like that. And so I have this huge tax bill. And I basically went from thinking I was on top of the world to like, oh, shit, um, I'm in trouble. Like, and I, this is the, the lesson is make sure you really think about your after tax situation. And, you know, if you have a big year, don't just continue gambling like you were the year before. Um, but yeah, anyways, January, I'm just losing everything. And, and I, I had the, the the cap of this was a night where I was playing someone in DFS for this guy was just coming after me who I thought was a, a pretty big fish. And I played him for $100,000 one night. And uh, this is like, I, same thing, Rufus, where you're just, you know, you're, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing, you're just praying you can possibly win. And uh, right, right as the slate locks and the DFS at this time, there is no late swap. So once it's locked, it's locked. I had J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters on my team, and they got traded for each other. So they both came out of my lineup versus this guy. I ended up losing that. And uh, I remember telling Ashley, my wife, um, that I was just like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I was just like absolutely soul crushed. Um, and I think part of the, the, the lesson there is just I overextended myself with the tax liability that I had. So don't make that mistake. I've seen a lot of people um, go broke from, from DFS and other things where they, they parlay kind of their wins and continue betting at the same size. And I needed to adjust my bankroll. Fortunately, things ended up working out that year, but um, that was definitely the closest I've come to having to, to stop gambling full time was that, that stretch after winning everything, losing it all. And then, that kind of the peak of the downswing was uh, this night where I lost, you know, a ton of money for the NBA and it was because of a trade. I ended up losing to that guy by like three or four points. And I, he, he had a full roster of nine guys. I had seven guys and two of my guys were traded for each other. Damn. I, uh, I had a tilting moment this weekend because I had uh, in my fantasy football playoffs, I had Brian Robinson and I needed him to get like X amount of points. And that, that touchdown put me over and I'm sitting there in the airport. I had just gotten off a plane. Well, I'm watching the end of this game, and he scores it. And I'm like, yes, let's go. I won my fantasy matchup. And then the flag comes in, and then all of the fallout that's happened since then with the Terry McLaurin signaling to the ref, am I good? The ref saying yeah, and then calling the flag. Like All that has happened since. And it's just like continuously reminding me that I had that one in the bag. But... Uh, my dad had a great story this weekend, a very welcome to gambling moment because I, I have made the mistake of creating a monster here. Uh, he got signed up for prize picks and I started, uh, I started showing him like, Oh, here are the unabated prop tools. Here's how we can use that to try and find an edge for you on some of these prize pick lines. And he ended up with a Derek Carr over, uh, for passing yards. And it was at like two thirty four. Derek Carr had 232 passing yards at the end of that game with the full expectation that it was going to overtime. And my dad's sitting there like, all right, we are going to get this. Like we're going to overtime. I'm going to win this. And my, and then my father, a lifelong Raiders fan, die hard 
from day one has to watch this play happen with Chandler Jones getting that lateral and running it into the end zone, screaming, no, don't go into the end zone. Don't score a touchdown. And I'm just like, that is what gambling does to you right there. This man is rooted for this team since the day he was born. And here he is rooting against them scoring this winning touchdown right now. I robbed him of the joy of that moment. And I feel terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe betting on teams that you have a, um, a, a personal rooting interest in anyway, is not, not the best or, or against them either one. Maybe just stay away from those games and, and, and watch it with a, with a fan appreciation instead of a monetary appreciation. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you guys, yeah. Zach, um, I know you're a, a, a Carolina Panthers fan, or at least you were. I assume you still are. Yeah, of course. Has your fandom changed, waned over time as a better? What do you mean? Like when I have money on or against them? Do you like care less about them than you used to? No. Well, like, I mean, think about Train. He used to go to every freaking Panthers game, right? He had season tickets and wouldn't miss a game for what? 20, he didn't miss a game for how many years? Yeah, but he lived there too. Like, that's pretty yeah, know, easy. But- the game like i think i became more of a fan fan again when i got back to north carolina after living in vegas for so long and all we cared we got hockey and it's like oh shit hockey's the the jam and then when we got back here i was like oh man you know panthers i'm I'm only a few hours away from the stadium i can go to a game i can watch the game with friends who are also panthers fans you know like i think it got stronger again um but you know if i have money against them i'm i'm still gonna be pulling for them just a little quieter you know like a little less um enthusiastic maybe like hedging your happiness, I mean, that's a great way to do it, right? Like you either win money or your Panthers win. That's, if, you, if you're betting on them and they lose, kind of like the Super Bowl, what, 2015 Super Bowl, then, you know, you're doubling down on your misery. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely me with the uh, the Jets this week. Just I knew that I was emotionally hedging. I was going to be happy either way that game turned out, and it just kind of worked out for me there, even though this team is just – an absolute trash bag of a franchise. And that has definitely impacted my uh, fandom more so than any gambling has over the last several years. Sorry, I'm just sweating this end of this Cornell Lehigh basketball game. I think we have under 158. Oh my God, it went over. And I think the Cornell was up 93 to 62 after the other team made a basket with 31 seconds left. You think they run out the clock? No, they shoot a three-pointer make it and the other totally. team comes and makes a layup so basically there was how many what every single possession in the last minute had points or had yeah it was four seven ten points in the last minute in a game that was a 30 something point game to lose ouch another tilting moment my screen must be behind <laughs> Do you have like the super high speed unabated one or something because mine's still showing 91 to 60 <laughs> Yeah, no, if, it, but I kept seeing the play-by-play refresh, so it was, yeah. The I'm seeing 93 to 60. The score wasn't. It's 96 to 64, though, now. Arlington yeah, Baptist yeah. now has 19 points in their game against Sam Houston. Ouch. 86-19. God damn it. <laughs> there, there's had, your tilting moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably more tilting right now than I was on Monday, actually. You, you know what? Figure. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I noticed? Like the little things are what put are what can put you over the top. Like last weekend for me might yeah. have been my biggest tilt ever. And it wasn't that I lost a particularly large sum of money. I'm like I was okay with that, but I had a couple teasers that needed the Vikings. 
and they go out, they lose to the Lions. But because of the way I had teased them there, all they needed to do was not lose by, I think it was eight or whatever it was. And that meaning, not quite meaningless, but the field goal that the Lions kick right at the end of the game ends up killing my teaser. And it was in a span of those three minutes, the Vikings lose on that field goal to not cover. The Jets lose to the Bills and just frustrate me in general. And then it was lunchtime too, because, you know, the uh, West Coast, the one o'clock games are 10 a.m. games. So they're ending and it's around one. And so my buddy and I order lunch. We order sandwiches, they get delivered. And I'm like, okay, I lost my games. I lost my bets. But you know what? I've been looking forward to this sandwich for like an hour now. I've got that to console me. And I open it up and they got my order wrong. And that was what did it. I went from I went from being okay to just I snacked and I ended up just saying goodbye to my uh, roommate, getting in the car and driving four hours to L.A. to see my girlfriend instead of betting or watching the late games because I was like, you know what? No good is going to come from me trying to gamble on these right now. And pure rage drove me like most of the way out there. Was it worth it? Happy ending in the end? Yeah, I'd say it worked out in the end. Okay. Yeah. And I found a soda that I really liked at the uh, at a gas station in the middle of nowhere that I'd been searching for forever. So multiple uh, multiple bonuses there, multiple W's at the end. All right. So before we get out of here, because we are running a little bit long here, but I want to ask you guys one more question here, and it comes from our boy Dave the Wave in the Discord, and also probably the one clipping this tweet if you see it on social media here. How do you deal with putting in tons of work over a long-term stretch of multiple months just to get dealt a bad hand of variance and be break-even or even down in that span? In other words, when the short-term tilt, anger, and frustration shifts more towards long-term concern, fear, and worry. And I feel like this goes back into what we've been talking about here overall, but how is it that you kind of climb out of some of that, like Rufus, when you were talking about that bad stretch that you had over that summer? What is it that allows you to kind of break through? Hey, it was me and Zach having that bad stretch. We were in it together. I, I will say it was, I mean, Zach was always the one, the, the negative Nancy and like train <laughs> was like, always like, oh, it's all going to work out. And Zach was like, Zach would always text. He's like, uh, get in a van down by the river. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think for oh, me, uh, just bring a little humor into the situation. Oh, I know. Lighten up, I know. Like, if you're using any sort of normal controls on your on your bet sizing and and you know you're not doing anything dumb, then things should only be going so wrong. And if it gets past that point, then yeah, you got to revamp your whole process and say what 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 did I do here? Did I, did I slip in a times negative one, Rufus, in the formula? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that has been known to happen. You know, so the, 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 what was that on? I don't remember what it was. I just uh, remember it was what a decade ago, yeah. at least. But I don't know. I, I mean, I just remember every single text from you was like, oh, no, like we've overbet our bankroll and are fucked, basically, right? And yet we made money, right? Um, and Train was like, always, it's going to be, it's, oh, everything's great. If I want to know how we did for the week, I would ask you and Train and take the average. Train would be like, we made money. You'd be like, we lost money. We end up breaking even, right? right. So, um, but how to deal with that in the long term, um, or so there's longer stretches. I remember saying, telling people like, oh, you know what? I would have, I would have been better off staying in a five-star resort for the last every day for the last two months, right? Than just and, and not working. 
Like I would be better off financially, you know, after a really bit, like if there was a bad two month stretch. And so um, you're never going to be able to like, you're never going to be able to control variants and things don't even out in the long run. I don't believe they do. I mean, there's certain things that breaks that'll still get two people with the exact same process. And it's not just betting. It's like starting business. It's life. You know, there's, there's so much you don't control. And so I think it's about finding joy in the process. And if you don't actually enjoy the process of what you're doing, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. If it's strictly about money, then you're not going to be able to, it's going to be a lot harder to deal with those stretches where you worked a ton and didn't make any money or lost money if you don't actually enjoy the process. So I think that's that's why when things are going poorly for me, I tend to focus more on the process and less of the outcome. I don't sweat games when we're losing, really, and and I kind of I do more when we're when we're winning to try to, as Zach said, like enjoy it a little bit, which apparently is the opposite of my friend Jeff Ma, who like sweats things much more when he's losing. Um, he thinks I never sweat anything, but so I think yeah. To summarize, you have to find joy in the process. And that's that's a really interesting point too. This is the only kind of job you can have where you can just absolutely grind, work your butt off, and at the end of the day, you come out losing money because there is no guaranteed paycheck at the end of the rainbow here. This isn't something that you can just go in and work hard and at the end of the day that you've got that guaranteed income. It's a different kind of life. That's why they call it gambling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you could say that about like, I mean, look, people have money in a 401k or an IRA or something like that. And the market goes down and suddenly like maybe they were, you know, you can have three months where you actually lost money despite getting a paycheck because your net worth went down because of your investments. And that happens to everybody all the time. And but people, people don't sweat it because they're not, they're, they're counting on the fact that in the long run, it's going to sort of smooth out and they're not sweating it. Good story yeah, for 2022. Yeah, every, um, you know, every losing streak is eventually going to come to the end. And if you don't wake up the next day, you never have the chance to start your winning streak. So, I mean, if you're confident in your process and get up and do it again and, and get ready to, you know, hopefully set off on a, on a great, great tear. Uh, be confident in yourself and what you're doing and start over again the next day. And if the process needs work, then you get the chance to build a new process. And that's that can be I mean, hopefully you can find some joy in that. Absolutely, right. because at the end, oh, go for it, Peter. I was, I was just going to say, I think one other thing too, the results and, and anytime you're, you know, in a startup or gambling for a living or something that's high risk, like create habits in your life that are going to give you joy and fulfillment. Spend time with people you love, be around friends and family. I've, we talked a lot about working out on this podcast. Um, there's other things that you can do as well. And like, make sure you don't ignore those things when, when things are going poorly, because that's where you can really get in a bad mental space is when you're just consumed with the losing and you just start being lazy and everything else or whatever. Like, it's really important if you're going through a tough time to focus on those habits and the things that you can't control. I think that is a very great point. And on that point, guys, we have certainly taken up plenty of Zach's time here today. We've taken up plenty of the listeners' time, and we thank you guys for being here with us. We thank everyone for listening. Zach, thank you so much for being the first official guest of the Unabated Podcast. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, where can people find you and the great work you're doing around the internet? 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Gamble Balls. Um, you can find me there. I'm, I kind of go in waves whether I'm on there or not, but um, reach out. What, what about what about your brewery? Yeah. Ah, so in North Carolina, I'm uh, one of the owners of a brewery here at the coast called Salty Turtle Beer Company, and you can find me there during the week a lot too, uh, close to Wilmington, North Carolina. That's right. Go head down, have a beer. I am looking forward to getting out there myself and seeing you guys. But for now, that is going to do it for us here. A reminder to everybody, head on over to Unabated Sports on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us there if you're not already. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this show if you are one of our YouTube listeners. If you're one of our podcast viewers, don't forget, hit that five-star rating and give us a review. It really does help out the metrics. We appreciate you being here with us. And if you aren't already a member of Unabated, head on over to unabated.com today. Get yourself signed up because guess what? We have a brand new tier launching as well. The Unabated Essentials tier is coming out. It is available now, I believe, as of the listening of this podcast for you, as of when this debuts, only $49 a month annually. It gets you access to some of our fantastic tools here on the website. So be sure to check that out now if you're not already a subscriber. And if you are, thank you so much for being one and best of luck this weekend. And as always, my friends, let's cash those tickets.